The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Mr. Stephen Lawrence. He has been producing and directing documentaries for over 30 years with a focus on the stories of artists, activists, and everyday heroes trying to make a difference. His most recent film, which he co-directed with Sarah Shank, is called The Invisible Extinction. It tells the story of the human microbiome and two leading scientists, Dr. Martin Blazer and Dr. Gloria Dominguez Bayo, who are racing to save the human microbiome, and both of whom were guests on Food Sleuth Radio. Mr. Lawrence is an award-winning media pioneer. He earned his B.A. from New York University, where he studied film, art, history, and psychology. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Melinda. Delighted to be speaking with you. I so appreciate The Invisible Extinction. I think it is one of the most important documentaries of our time, and I hope everybody gets a chance to see it to better understand human biology and how we are related to our environment. But I want to know what led your interest in producing this film. Well, my interest in the film is personal and grew out of my own health problems, which were very surprising to me. In the early 1990s, I became very ill. I had been making films in Russia and Central Asia. And unknown to me, I had picked up a couple of parasitic infections. And because I was pretty healthy and strong, they weren't affecting me for quite a while. But eventually, I started to have some gut issues and weight loss. And I got tested. Well, the treatment for those parasites, which were Giardia and the Histolytica amoeba, is antibiotics. And I was given one round of antibiotics, and it didn't seem to resolve the problem. And then over several years, I was given round after round of antibiotics. And I didn't understand what was going on, but I was getting much sicker. I developed autoimmune thyroid disease, chronic irritable bowel syndrome, several food intolerances, gluten and lactose. In particular, I lost a lot of weight. It was a very, very difficult time for me. And nobody knew about the microbiome at that point. The word did not even exist in the medical vocabulary. And I don't think there was any doctor I ever encountered who gave a second thought to how this nuking of the gut with antibiotics might affect not merely the digestive tract of an individual, but their immune system. Anyway, over a period of 10 years, I must have had 15 or 20 rounds of antibiotics trying to treat the symptoms of the antibiotics, which appeared to doctors to be a recurrent parasite infection. So I found myself in this kind of dark place, wondering what had gone wrong. Eventually, 
I went to the Brooklyn Central Library and started to do some research, started to look at scientific publications, trying to understand the relationship between the use of antibiotics, the immune system, and all this turbulence that I had in my gut. And I realized, hmm, I've developed an immunodeficiency. There's something wrong here. And I stopped using antibiotics. I refused antibiotics unless they were absolutely necessary for a diagnosed infection. I began to work with a brilliant Chinese medicine expert and healer, George Wong, and do other things with nutrition and supplements that were very helpful to my recovery. And slowly I started to get better. I'm still troubled by these problems. They haven't disappeared, but I'm able to manage them pretty well and have very good energy. But what happened to me has happened to many other people, perhaps not as extreme a case, but this medically unnecessary use of antibiotics, overuse of antibiotics, has been a problem in the medical world for quite some time. And when I met Sarah Schenk in 2014, and she told me she was developing a documentary about the microbiome, I was highly motivated to work on it. She was looking for a collaborator. So it was my medical history meeting this opportunity to tell the story and try to inform others to make what is essentially a wake-up call for people about the importance of our inner ecology, our inner biodiversity, and our health, which is something that is quite new to most people. I think this is such critical information. For so many years, we've looked at antibiotics as these miracle drugs, and indeed they are, but they are used excessively. For example, if someone has a viral infection, they might be given a prescription for an antibiotic. That's an example of, as you say, a use that isn't appropriate. And then, of course, in agriculture, we see antibiotics used as well, which is another problem that contributes to antibiotic resistance. So it's all connected, food, health, and agriculture, but you do a beautiful job in translating the science and making the science come alive and making it meaningful for us. I'm curious to know how you became connected to the researchers that you chose. I mean, there are many researchers who are looking at the microbiome, but Martin Blazer and Gloria Dominguez-Bayo were wonderful microbiologists to bring forth. How did you choose them? How did they become your key players in this film? Sarah met them first when she was starting to work on her ideas for a microbiome documentary. She did preliminary interviews with both of them. Marty had just published his book, Missing Microbes, and we sat down with them to discuss the idea of a film that would be centered on them and their work. And it was apparent to me right away that they had the attributes that are absolutely necessary for a film like this. They were warm and open. They were willing to commit to the film, but they also had this gift of being able to translate science into accessible language. Mm -hmm. And in our culture, and it's not always the case all around the world, Science is seen as kind of inaccessible, particularly in its vocabulary, the way 
it's presented, you know, clinical studies, you go to the pharmacy and you get a prescription and you get a piece of paper that has all these warnings and details. And if you're not versed in that kind of language, you, you look at it, you can either get very scared or confused or both. But Marty and Gloria were open to doing the film, highly relatable, and they didn't know how long a journey it would be. But the mm. fact that they were ready to commit to it was critical and they stuck with it through all the ups and downs, which are typical of independent documentaries. Well, you travel all over the globe in this film, and we are led by Drs. Blazer and Dominguez Bayo. But the other researchers who are interviewed provide another lens through which to see the value of the microbiome and protecting it. So let's start with the Amazon jungle. Why? Part of Gloria's research has been on the ancestral microbiome, and one of her goals is to preserve the microbes that we have lost, the missing microbes that Marty used to title his book. These are microbes that exist in the guts of people in isolated tribes. They are vanishing, and we have lost 50% of our microbial diversity in the developed world. And so Gloria has made it part of her mission to work in collaboration with villagers in the Amazon basin, collecting specimens from their poop and saliva, like vaginal microbes as well, and preserving them. So it was important to show the work that she's doing as part of the story of the film, that this is vanishing biodiversity that needs to be protected. And one very important reason for that is we don't know if those missing microbes, those microbes we no longer have, might provide the cures to some of our modern plagues, the, mm -hmm. the diseases that we talk about in the film. Well, I appreciated a comment that you made in another interview where you described Dr. Blazer's book, Missing Microbes, as analogous to Silent Spring. So what Silent Spring did for the environmental movement, Missing Microbes has done for the microbiome movement. I think so. Marty is not the only person who has written a book that's been popular about the microbiome, but I think he was the first to come out with a book that would really open a window onto the importance of our gut microbiota and the consequences of disrupting it and losing our biodiversity. So Marty and, and Gloria, in case, well, maybe I shouldn't give away one of the spoilers to the film. No, no spoilers <laughs> allowed. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So I won't go into detail about their relationship, but they are collaborators. And their collaboration is an important part of the film because they are at the heart of it. And it's their love for humanity that really drives their work and is core to the film. And it's very important, I think, for viewers to understand how scientists like Marty and Gloria and the others in the film are so dedicated to humanity, to human well-being. This is a, a critical thing. And of course, Connecting to what I said earlier, we wanted viewers to see scientists 
as fully dimensional, to see them not only in their work, but in their private life as parents as well, because this is a film that's also about parents and children. And it's also a love story that takes place in different dimensions. And I think love is one of the great drivers of the film. I was trying to think, what is it exactly that I so appreciate about this film? And it is this science plus humanity and love being at the core. We need to take a break. And I want to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are joined today by Mr. Stephen Lawrence. He's an award-winning filmmaker. His most recent film and the subject of our conversation today is The Invisible Extinction. It is about the microbiome and it takes us on a global adventure. All right. I want to talk a little bit about all of the different dimensions of this film. So I was curious, of course, about touching on going to the Amazon jungle. But you also go to Israel. You speak to a researcher there who is looking specifically at diet. What did you take away from that interaction with that researcher? There are two researchers, Iran Elinov and Iran Segal. They're both at the Wiseman Institute of Science. And they are bright, shining lights in the microbiome research field. What was very new and exciting to me about their research is the connection between the microbiome and diabetes and how our microbes determine our response to sugar, which shouldn't be a surprise to people, but I wasn't aware of it. So we were very excited to speak with them about their work because they had developed a way of analyzing a person's microbiome, taking poop specimens, and using that to prescribe a diet that would avoid sugar spikes and could reverse prediabetes and perhaps diabetes as well. And uh, ultimately, they developed this into an app, which is being used by two of Israel's largest HMOs now very successfully. And the secret really to the dietary approach is reducing processed foods, which has been a core recommendation within the dietetics world, but it really focuses on fiber and the power of fiber to nourish those microbes in our gut. And I think that we have moved so far away from whole foods and have become so dependent, not always by choice. You know, sometimes you're victims of your environment and all you have access to are these highly processed foods. But I loved that section of the film because it brought home the importance of having a whole food fiber-rich diet and with all of the pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes that we see here in the United States. I think that section of the film was really important. Yeah, it's the one section of the film where we don't have a patient story, although we did film patients who were using the app that Elanoff and Segal developed. But yes, it's very important work. And actually, I took advantage of the work personally. I sent in a poop specimen and I got back recommendations. I was pre-diabetic. And uh, one of the recommendations was whenever I eat apples, which I do frequently, I have to eat them with nuts or fats, protein, you know, in particular. Once I did that, my HA1C came down. So I made a discovery for myself that was quite helpful. And there's a lot more work being done about 
diet and gut microbiota now, and especially the detrimental effects of sugary diets. Right. Is that app available to everyone? I don't know where it is right now. The app is called Day 2, and I would guess that by now the science has advanced further. And as I said, there's a tremendous amount of work being done on diet and the microbiome. But as you say, and I think every microbiologist who's working in this area would confirm, a high-fiber diet is critical to a healthy gut microbiome. Absolutely. The other place visited that I thought was fascinating was China. In Beijing specifically, there are researchers looking at the role of the microbiome in autism, and especially with regard to children who have been exposed to antibiotics and children who have been delivered via C-section and deprived of exposure to their mother's delivery of microbiota through the vaginal fluids. And of course, that's something that Dr. Dominguez Bayo focuses on with regard to how do we reseed these children so that they can have the benefits. And then she also describes how breastfeeding can be restorative in helping to get baby's guts back to speed. So again, another diet connection, which I love, is how do we protect our microbiota in our guts? Simple things, vaginal delivery when possible, breastfeeding. Sometimes women are told, you know, it doesn't matter. You can breastfeed or you can formula feed. There's a huge difference. And then, of course, the focus on the high fiber diet from Whole Foods. So these are important messages that you bring home in this film. And then, of course, you also look at fecal transplant. And I believe the FDA has recently approved a fecal transplant medication. Do you want to give us an update on that? Yes, that is the first pharmaceutically offered FMT treatment, and it is approved for treating Clostridium difficile when it's recurrent, which is often the case because a lot of C. diff is now antibiotic resistant. And so this is a a godsend for the 20,000 or more Americans who are affected by this annually. The fecal transplant has an over 90% cure rate for C. diff, which Mm -hmm. is just extraordinary. There are very few drugs that are that efficacious. So to have a drug available in the marketplace is going to be very helpful. Hopefully it's affordable. Until now, people have received fecal transplants, which is essentially poop from a healthy donor. And we have a subject in the film who is a registered nurse who participated in a clinical trial at Mass General Hospital. And this is one of the stories in the film. And it would take too long to go into all the details, but the focus of the clinical trial was to see if giving people who were obese fecal transplants from lean, healthy donors would help them lose weight or change their metabolic markers. And I'm not going to tell your listeners how that turns out, but it's a very important part of the film. And fecal transplants also figure in the story of the Chinese boy. You referred to some of the filming in China. Through Marty and Gloria, we met an extraordinary doctor and researcher, Yo Shin, who works at 
a hospital in Beijing and set up a clinic to treat autistic children. She was motivated to do this because one of her sons was born with autism. And this is a, another thread in the film where we see that sometimes the stories of the researchers and the scientists have to do with their own experience. What's motivating them is family experience in part, having children who suffer from some of these chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. One of the most difficult things for anyone who is creating media is what do I include? What do I omit? I'm sure you had many more hours of film than you could include in this final product. Can you tell me what do you wish you would have been able to include that you just didn't have time for? Wow. <laughs> There's so many. I mean, I, I don't know how many dozens of hours we shot that, of course, are not in the film. There was one important story in China about a researcher who has been looking at how antibiotics are getting into the Chinese water supply and getting into people as a result. And that's an important story as well. You were speaking earlier about the impact of antibiotics and other pollutants on agriculture. So that's one story that we wish could have fitted in the film, but you have to make tough decisions. Yeah. We went through so many test screenings, asking people to tell us what was working, you know, people who are not scientists, but average viewers, what's working for them, what is too much information. And I don't know how many screenings we did over, over a dozen. And those were very instrumental in helping us pare the film down from what was originally probably two hours down to where it is now, which is a little over 80 minutes. But mm -hmm. every, every filmmaker will tell you the same story. And I think one of the points here is that there is a lot more to the story about the microbiome that could be told, whether in other documentaries or in short pieces. We have some additional content that we eventually hope to put up on our website and on social media platforms so that people can see some of what we couldn't put in the film. I think that would be wonderful. The website is theinvisibleextinction.com. You also have a Facebook page. And you recently won a special mention at the Swiss Science Film Academy for this film as well. Yes, that's the Global Science Film Festival, which takes place in March and early April in Zurich and Basel. And we also won the Director's Choice Award at the Illuminate Film Festival, which is in Sedona, Arizona. The film is going out around the world now. It's available on demand in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and in almost every country. So people can see this film. We've been able to get it translated into French and Spanish. We're hoping to get it translated into other languages as well. So it's really universally accessible. You shouldn't have to speak English to be able to learn about the gut microbiome. Right. And your educational distributor is Roco Films. You're reaching out to medical schools, different universities, middle schools, high schools. I mention this because I want to spark some creative interest for our listeners to think, how can more people learn about this research? 
I like to ask my local library to order films and books so that more people can see it. And many libraries have film festivals. So there are lots of opportunities and ways to get this film out. And I want to help you do that because I think it is that important. We just have a few minutes left and I want to give the stage to you. What would you like our listeners to know? What were some key points that maybe I might not have touched on? I think it's important for your listeners to understand that the crisis we face with our gut microbiome is a biodiversity crisis that mirrors what's happened in the world at large. We're losing species, we're losing soil, microbes. So what's happened to our inner ecology is part of a larger problem where something new and miraculous, antibiotics, became overused and used unnecessarily. I think it's the same for pesticides. Pesticides have their place, but just like antibiotics, they began to be used ubiquitously and unnecessarily. And of course, there's, you know, there's a profit motive involved. These are big businesses. And we are at a point now where we have to make changes for our health and for the health of the planet. We call the film The Invisible Extinction because the loss of our microbial diversity has been happening unknown to us. The human microbiome is just beginning to be understood now. We're at the early days of the scientific revolution, and that's what our film is about. So I think it's important for people to understand that what's happened to our inner ecology mirrors what is happening to other parts of our world. Mm. So that's one important takeaway. What I've been thinking about in the wake of this film is the idea of personalized medicine. You know, so often medicine has been based on prescriptions for everyone, not understanding the person as a whole system. And I think with the understanding of the human genome and the accelerating research into the human microbiome and then the potential for CRISPR, for gene editing, we have the potential to understand and reverse diseases before they become chronic and debilitating, as they did in my case. So I think this is a very exciting moment in science, and I think it's very important for these stories about science and scientists to reach the public and to be accessible, to be relatable. So those are a couple of thoughts that I wanted to throw out. I want to add something to what you said, and that is as much as there's a focus on all of the benefits, there's also a critical piece in this film, and that is unintended consequences. It's complicated, and yes, unintended consequences is one of the themes of the film. And earlier in the interview, I was speaking about Gloria's work in the Amazon and collecting specimens from isolated peoples who have not been exposed, by and large, to antibiotics and have microbial diversity that we've lost. She started a very important project, the Microbiota Vault, which is kind of a Noah's Ark for these vanishing microbes. And I think it's very important for your listeners to learn about what she's doing with the vault. Absolutely. And I will make sure that that link is connected with this film as well. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn for KOPN in Columbia, Missouri. 
Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Stephen Lawrence. He and co-director Sarah Shank have produced The Invisible Extinction. It is an excellent film about the story of the human microbiome. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Melinda. It was a pleasure. 